0: Change into voiceover champions to save the voiceover world. Hello, listeners. It's Joshua Seth, and boy, oh boy, do I have a treat for you. This is going to be a fun one. He's a longtime friend of mine. I've known him longer than almost anyone in the entertainment industry. Without further ado, let's just go with the intro here. Jeff Nimoy is an Emmy Award-winning voice actor, voice director, writer, and producer that's been in the entertainment industry for over 30 years. Known to fans as the Spielberg of anime, Jeff is most known for his work with the Digimon franchise, Trigun, Bleach, Naruto, Stitch, and countless other series for Fox Kids, Cartoon Networks, Kids WB, and the Disney Channel. Jeff has actually been nominated for three Emmy Awards— and won once for his comedic work as a writer, producer, and voice director for NFL Films Presents on ESPN and Fox. He's worked with dozens of organizations and brands including Disney, Fox, ABC, MTV, Imagine Entertainment, NFL Films, Audible, and Google. In 2017, Jeff was diagnosed with a brain tumor, but after successful surgery, Jeff had a new lease on life and decided to make his first live-action movie, Famish, which is available for streaming now. Please welcome to the show my friend and collaborator, Jeff Nimoy. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you would. I wrote that question. Uh, that's what you figure. wrote. That's what you wanted me to read. So yeah. I
1: do. I just gave that to give, give you a laugh, and I'm glad you read it. And,
0: and it, you always and do give me a laugh. You are responsible for for so much of the comedy in Digimon, and we're going to get into that, and we're going to get into your perspective (laughs) as a voice director about how people can use their voices more effectively and more engagingly. But first, I'd like to introduce you to my audience because you deserve to be more well-known. You are the secret sauce, (laughs) but really behind so many shows, so many hit anime Thanks. shows would not have the humor and the the life that they had with, without your creative
1: input. Uh, well, that's very kind of you, Josh. I appreciate that. Um, you know, this is not, anime is not one of those fields in showbiz where you get recognized by a thousand, billion, trillion people. You know, they don't do an AFI, um, you know, Lifetime Achievement Award or anything for that, but, Having the respect of my pews, that's what keeps me going, to tell you the truth. You know, i it's great to have the fans at elation, believe me, but having yours is uh, is really what I work for.
0: Well, th- those of us in the industry that know, we recognize your talent and the talent of those rare directors that can bring the best out of us as actors. And, yeah. you know, you say, oh, well, those of us that are voice actors in anime are not recognized that's changing. Walk it through, is changing. walk through sure. any mall, man. Like I know, every store has front and center displays with shirts and backpacks and sneakers and stickers and all kinds of yeah. back to school stuff with all the shows that you and I worked on. More so, well, you, maybe since in, I left to, to go on tour maybe. <laughs> years <laughs> well, ago, maybe but in even years. so.
1: <laughs> Maybe in 30 years, Crunchyroll will do a, a lifetime.
0: <laughs> Eventually, that's right. You know, You'll get the lifetime achievement award. Respective, my career. Rigidly <laughs> deserve. But it has taken over popular culture. When you and I started working yeah. on these shows, we didn't even know if they'd go to air. And then, if you're like me, we were surprised when they became as popular as they did and never in a million years thought that 20 years later, the stuff that we were originally working on would be more popular than ever, but it is. Well, you know, it's funny that Digimon is probably the thing I'll be remembered most for, you
1: know, there'll definitely be the word Digimon in my obituary many, many times one day. Uh, hopefully not a close day, but you know, you never know. And, uh, when I first got Digimon, Bob Buchholz, who was my partner at the time, uh, we got a VHS team of the show. We were offered to write the show and, uh, we looked at it. Um, so Bob Buckles and I uh, watched the first episode and silently, and I looked at him afterwards and I said, who's gonna watch this crap?
0: And <laughs> here we are. We had no we had idea. Some, yeah, we here. had no idea what we were working on or the impact that it would have, even in, in the genre of anime, in terms of adding yeah. humor and heart. And not just, it fighting, took me a long, not just it, fighting. It took me a long time even to realize that anime is in show business
1: terms of my own mind my own warped uh, creation of what showbiz should be for me what my career should be and you know here I am writing and voice directing a major motion picture and I'm thinking uh, I'm at the bottom of the barrel, but you know, here, <laughs> here we go. Years later, and, then, and I'm
0: thinking. And then the di- you're talking about the Digimon movie, Digimon yeah, the, the movie that premiered the, on over right. three thousand screens that, nationwide. That you yeah. started. starting. Yeah, yeah. That I started. And, I should mention. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and uh, and then you know, years later, you you, you have the, uh, the the little moment where you realize, wow, you know, um, they're still talking about this movie and. As a filmmaker, what else do you want but to make a movie? They're talking about twenty something years later. That's right. it. There's, yeah, you, I've achieved that. I've achieved the thing I started out in show that? business without even trying because I, I really wanted to make a live action film for years and years and years. And you years, did. But,
0: and we're going to get to your live action film. which yeah, but is Digimon, amazing that you did this. The, that was a major release, I
1: should say. I've written some others, but Digimon was obviously the biggest release I ever had. And,
0: and here I am thinking I'm a failure because that's my only movie. But it because know, we're I'm, creative people and we push ourselves right. to do more. Look at what I've been yeah. doing so that I don't just have he starred in Digimon on my tombstone. I've worked so yeah. hard in multiple <laughs> right. careers
1: that I didn't need <laughs> to here, do, you
0: know, <laughs> we're, we, the, demand, the
1: demand has really pulled us back in. Uh, and it, I'm, I'm very grateful a, for it. Now, that's a good later.
0: way. That's a good way to yeah. put it. The demand that uh, we tried to get because, out and it pulled us back in. Yeah, because in. as and,
1: you said, it, it's become part of uh, the popular society now, instead of on the little dregs and edges of
0: society. Oh, it it's is become mainstream. The mainstream. I yeah. have to. So, I have two kids: one in elementary school, and one that's about to start middle school. Their the artwork on their bedroom walls is yeah. anime. The stuff that they right. watch on their phones and iPads is the shows that you directed mostly. And oh yeah. And then I was in. And and that's what's on the their backpacks and yeah. The book covers, everything. It's it's all these shows, but th- this show isn't just about anime. That's just where our I know connection. It's about communication. <laughs> it's about communication, and as who's better than a voice actor, or somebody that has trained yes. their voice to express emotion and connect with people? Well, I'll tell right. you who's better. It's the directors that get those performances out of us. So I do want to get to that, but I want to I want to back up a little bit here because I've done a deep dive <laughs> into Jeff <Uh-oh>. Nimoy today. <laughs> Boy, I, w- I wish through, I was Jeff's name said all, he all through your IMDb and <laughs> and your website and everything. Learn stuff. For, for, four some, Emmy nominations. My news counting. Oh, it was four anyway. Emmy nominations. Well, I pulled that off your website. You got to update that, man. Okay, so, I got to check. That. So, I, one thing I did know <laughs> is we both got our start at New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. Although go violets. You yes, you graduated before I entered. I just need to put that out there. Yep. And, oh, I'm old. And and you, you you have an amazing, amazing story about how you left New York and got started in LA, which is a journey that I took as well. Yeah. But I I wasn't so quick to be recognized in the entertainment industry yeah. as you were because you started winning awards almost immediately. No, now you're that's now you're you're only seeing You started winning rap awards is what I'm talking about.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't call that I wouldn't call that success. You were you were were
0: paying your rent as a rapper. Now that's successful. I
1: don't I don't know about a rapper as a Okay, let's let's fill in the audience what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I when I came to LA, I had zero money, but I had a jar of change. So, I would go to this restaurant called the Red Onion, which they were a bit of chains. They were all Mexican restaurants during the day and they were nightclubs at night, you know, dancing, what have you. They had all kinds of ladies' night, you know, male stripper one night, comedian stand up, open mic contest one night. And they had. They the wouldn't one hire I you was for at, any of
0: those spots.
1: No, the one I worked at or the one I was in my neighborhood was a rap contest. So, I uh, I would just eat my one meal a day by taking a dollar out of the change jar and going to the Red Onion, getting a Coke and happy hour. You got two Cokes for a dollar. And you can eat and, off of their buffet. And that was my one meal.
0: By the way, I did the same thing in New York City. I had yeah. a dollar a day for food and I'd go to Ray's Pizza, the right? real original Ray's Pizza, on <laughs> yeah. 6th Avenue and that's 4th 6th Street. 6th Avenue, yeah. Yeah, that's the real one. And I'd get one slice of pizza and I'd load it up with everything. And that that would be my dollar's worth of food yeah. for the day.
1: Right. But so you, I noticed but you, that, that one you week, there. that first week, had a rap contest Thursday night. And I ha- I wrote this comedy song, The Bugs Bunny Rap. I was a big fan of Bugs Bunny, as all voice actors are, because of the great Mel Blank, which we all worshipped. And uh, and I won that rap contest
0: against really serious rappers so, who
1: were wanting to be serious, you know, professional rappers. You basically
0: dressed as a nerd as and a did nerd. a joke right. comedy yes, version a of a rap protect- and one.
1: Right. I had a pocket protector in the yes. sweater vest, right. Uh, and I won a hundred dollars, first place. And not only did I win that, I won four consecutive weeks after that. So five weeks consecutively. And finally, they said to me, "You, you, you can't enter anymore. They banned <laughs> and you." And I said, "Well, bartending, Gary, and I'll uh, quit entering." And they did. And that was how I paid my rent was rap contest that first wow. month. Contest,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. whatever you gotta do to. to <laughs> persevere but i wouldn't it call business. that success right yes, away no, then i, I struggled kidding.
1: for yeah. about eight years as a part
0: <laughs> yeah it took me a few years to, to to take off as well now when i met you it was directing digimon the series i was already then, i was already back on my feet <laughs> and and as an actor i was doing a lot of voices on season one of digimon in, in addition to yeah. starring as ty and they needed to farm some of those other voices out so yeah uh, i ended up Giving Tentomon, uh, yep. I, you know, it wasn't my choice, but I I was yep. originally voicing Tentomon and then you voiced Tentomon. Right. So for the fans out there, let's do dueling Tentomons. Ready? <laughs> Here's my okay, Tentomon. So Tent- Tent- Tentomon. Tentomon Digivolve 2. Yeah. And now yours. Yeah. Tent- no, Tent- Tent- Tentomon, Tentomon Digivolve you 2. Oh, dude. No, you do it first and I'll match it.
1: Tentomon
0: Digivolve 2. Kabu-Terry-Mon, whatever, yeah, yeah, all but right. you're and not Cabuterial. So man Digivolve two. So? I can
1: see why they gave me the part, but no, yeah, originally, Josh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, originally I was
1: impersonating you. I just ate Tentumon, Digivolve two, and then I, you know, as all actors do, once you've been in it eight, nine times, it becomes your own, and little changes just happen without you even trying, you know, and it becomes your own. Um, yeah. But. I do remember exactly the day we met. I was directing over at Fidelity. I was already Tentomon at that point. We didn't really each other. Um, And I was already directing over at Fidelity. And during our first session, we just started talking. Where are you from? Where are you from? Would you go to school? Would you go to school? Where are your grandparents from? Where are your grandparents from? And we were identical, you and I. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so uh, we
0: became very fast friends right away on that very first session. Well... I I have to say there's a little difference in where are your family members from. In that, none of my family members were on Star Trek.
1: <laughs> That's a big one.
0: Yes. So and it we did, should, you we know, should, Leonard did We should address that lot, elephant Leonard. in the room because your last name <laughs> yes. is Nimoy. Len-
1: Leonard Nimoy is it was still hard to say even after all these years was my cousin. He passed away, um, and um, he did. Was, he was extremely generous to me. Uh, he didn't really know me that well, but he knew me, but he, yet he gave me a job right away as a PA on a, uh, a movie of his. And then he, uh, got me my sad card by giving me a few lines and this ride over, at uh, Epcot center he was directing. And he gave me a line in a Gene Wilder movie. He was so generous and, uh, you know, I didn't even have to ask for these things. He just went out and did, them. he was so gave great. you your start and also showed you it was possible. Yeah. So also, yes, showed me it was possible and uh, just a million phone calls and emails to, you know, give me advice that I've asked for. Even when I started getting big and I sold a show, um, then he, uh, you know, got me a high-powered lawyer and a high-powered agent. You know, he was just instrumental to guiding me through
0: the industry. But he how couldn't many, get me the parts that I auditioned for and failed many times. How many years <laughs> did it take you from getting that SAG card to winning an Emmy? I won the, I got the SAG card in 89. I got to NYU, I
1: got to, graduated NYU and got to LA in 88. Um, so he gave me my SAG card in 89 and the Emmy came in 96. So, about nine years. Seven, eight, nine, yeah. nine. Eight, eight years of bartending. I quit bartending and I said, I'm not getting anywhere in show business. I was—I had my five-year actor plan, you know, as most do,
0: and and, uh,
1: and I said, you know, it's—do I want to be an actor or do I just want to be in show business? Because I had aspirations to write and direct and produce, but I figured acting would be my way in. And uh, after five years, I said, well, acting as as important as it is to me, it, it's not the be and all-in thing, you know. So I said, I'm just gonna take any job in show business, but I'm not gonna bartend. I'm not gonna take any job unless it's in show business, even if it's getting coffee. And that's when really my career, you know, I struggled. I even lived in my car for a little bit, but eventually I got a voiceover gig and one thing leads to another and doors opened. And
0: Is that how you started uh, writing then?
1: I was always writing. I had a teacher in eighth grade who was very instrumental in telling me how good a writer I was and that I should really try to uh, nurture that skill. So I had already written a few screenplays that sat unproduced by then. I was always writing. I always had an interest in movies and writing a, a screenplay and directing a screenplay, and producing and maybe even starring a screenplay. <laughs> but none of those things were happening at any point.
0: Until, until, until I, you made your I own. So I, yeah, I don't want to get there so. quite yet. We're, we'll get there. Just, just tease, Let's talk just about the tease, Emmy for I a know. second. So the Emmy, yeah. I've seen some of this work. It was you and Bob Buckholz that did this, correct? Correct, yeah. Bob and I, and I a company called
1: Splice Bread Productions that I started. and uh, And then I brought Bob in as my partner.
0: Bob was my improv teacher at
1: one point in L.A.,
0: that makes That's sense because it was so funny. It was like, how would you explain it? Like NFL bloopers, highlights and bloopers? Yes,
1: but mm-hmm. yeah, it's more like um, like an old Godzilla movie st- stood on its head. You know, we took away all the sound and we just dubbed it with it. It's just dubbing, really. But instead of like sticking to the original
0: story, we just changed it to whatever it looked like to us. Funny-wise, we wrote, you know. Like uh, like what like what, what's new pussycat wasn't that the movie that Like what's new structure? pussycat uh, I didn't I
1: was going to use that as an example I didn't think many people would know it that only is, us yes. yeah.
0: only those yes. of us that went to film school or are very <laughs> very old yeah. with the with the egg salad uh, sandwich right. the plot right. of the egg the, salad the, sandwich the, had, had nothing the to the do with the recipe for the movie. world's
1: greatest egg salad yeah.
0: sandwich. No it's a great so conceit is like you that. turn down the sound yeah. and then you write a script based on what it looks like and then you want an that's
1: Right. And that's how Bob and I actually met. He, we were doing improv. He was teaching me improv and then I got graduated to the main group that he was in and that group was also doing movie dubbings. We'd go to movie theaters and sit in the front row with, uh, microphones and dub a whole new movie live, you know, and some of it, we knew some of it, we improvised, but it was hilarious to watch great exercise and great training. Was that with the groundlings? That was aside from the groundlings, which I was also at. This was mm-hmm. through a company called the LA Connection, and oh, then uh, and then yeah. and then Bob and I, we the LA Connection got a, a pilot um, special to do that with a, a Sherlock Holmes movie for A and E Network, and Bob was the head writer, and Bob and I just seemed to write very well together. We just sort of clicked, you know, and so that when I got when I pitched NFL Films that I could do this with their film library. Um, they said, we want to give you a segment every week. Um, I brought Bob in as my partner to write and produce and do all that good stuff. You know, uh, even though um, we were partners, I, for some reason, I always wound up voice director. I don't know why. Bob is a very accomplished voice director in his own right. but
0: I, I think one of the reasons that you worked as a voice director so frequently is because as a, as an actor and a comedian, you know the beats, yeah. you know the emotional moments that you wanna get out of your actors. So you're coming from our side. But as a writer, you also know what story points need to be hit to move the plot forward. And I've seen you rewrite scenes in the moment to, yeah. to get more comedy out of them or get more emotional engagement out of them or make them tighter and more efficient. So you you have these multiple skill sets that we're able to to work together. So so. Actually, let's talk about that. Getting the best performances out of an actor, or out, yeah. pulling pulling something out of someone who who may not know right. that they have it within them, or or how to access it. Do you do you have That's any insights to you can share with us along those lines?
1: Yeah, you know, every every human being is different, obviously, and everyone communicates differently. And um, this is a very big topic in my life communication. That's why I wanted to do this podcast so badly. So. You know, not everything you say is going to get through to everyone the same exact way. And you've got to change it for them to understand it. It doesn't matter how you're saying it, as long as they can comprehend what you're saying. So some people want to be left alone and want to figure it out on themso- themselves. And I only talk to them when they sort of need a little push in the or direction they're veering away from, you know, like Colleen O'Shaughnessy. I give her very little direction, you know.
0: Someone like uh the voice of Lara- tales in Sonic or Sora in Digimon yes. we're referring to.
1: Someone like Laura Jill Miller on all who played Kari on Digimon. Um Annie, Annie on Broadway. Yes. She needed a little more um push getting there, you know, emotionally to these things because she came from a very kids' entertainment world where there wasn't very emotion going a lot of emotion going on, you know. So uh, I had to put her so, so I might have to describe a situation in her own life that, you know, she can relate to so that then she can deliver those lines as Kari thinking about that incident in her own life,
0: you know? So you're, so that, you start from the perspective of the other person to determine how best to, to get a well, performance it, out of them as opposed to what you want, what they need. Well. It ultimately comes back to what
1: I want. But how do I get what I want is the, is the struggle, is the key question for me. A lot of times they just give it to me because they're very talented and you cast really talented people, and that's 90% of it. But some people need a little push getting where you want, you know, and some people are just not giving it to you. And you have to just break it down for them and say, this is what I want. And you have to do the actual line reading. A lot of actors hate that, but I always say afterwards, now you justify that in your own mind to get that to sound real coming out of your mouth, you know? Because it's still got to, the actor's got to feel it, you know? They can't just do an impersonation of me doing the line,
0: you know? Would you Would you recommend improv to actors and voice actors as training in order uh, to access those sorts of emotions and reads? Well, this this is the
1: big thing about communication with me. This improv is the number one thing that got me there. I would recommend improv classes for everyone who has communication issues because it teaches you to just throw yourself in there. First of all, there's no escape once you're in the scene. You can't go stop. Can I stop? Can I, can we have a timeout? No, the scene's going on, you know, and there's a live audience there if you're a comedian or there's a classroom there if you're taking a class. You know, and you you can't just stop, you know, you're in there, go for it. It's about fully commitment. So if you fully commit yourself, if let's say you're a very shy person, my friend Brian Palermo, one of the legends at the Groundlings, he teaches a class to science nerds. He goes to like Jet Propulsion Center in Pasadena and he goes to MIT and he holds these improv classes with these science nerds because they, they just have... Maybe issues talking to other people in a in a conversational setting or you getting know getting what they know
0: out of their head and communicating right. it exactly in a way that so, people will listen to, so, to others.
1: So Brian teaches you, and I highly recommend this, it's commitment. It's fully commitment to whatever you're doing. So let's say I have an issue talking on a podcast, right? So, I'm just going to pretend I'm the world famous Jeff Nimoy. <laughs> Go out there and, well, Jeff Nimoy would answer these questions very uh, flamboyantly and bon vivant and not have any issues talking to you. I might,
0: you know. What so. would your favorite celebrity do? Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these are so, these are theater games, really. Right, they're theater games. Yeah. Exactly. With, All created by Viola Spolin. The, I remember when I got that book, that Viola Spolin's theater games book. I it was like yeah, I, it was like a, a bible to me of wisdom and <laughs> techniques and tricks yes. and ideas right. in there. I would read it over and over in college in my first improv class. It was, exactly, it was Adam Sandler that I, I still were, reference. We, Yeah, Adam was a good buddy of
1: mine at NYU, and we took Adam uh, Sandler was there at the same time. Yeah, we were uh, completely from freshman to graduation. We were great friends, and we every year we would look through the um, comedy uh, classes, and you know on on registration day, and we'd always try to pick them together so we'd have the classes together. And Viola Spolin uh, uh, was one of them, you know. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably where I took it it too. Yeah, it was just a really great. Um, lesson of jumping in commitment, throwing yourself into it, and if you have you know any struggles communicating, I would say just pretend you're not or you're a person who has trouble communi- you know doesn't have trouble communicating. Or let's say you know a person in your life who boy I wish I was as talkative or easy flowing as that person. Impersonate that person. You know, in this I, honestly, that's a
0: great jumping off point. And yeah, then right. once you inhabit that feeling yourself, you can right. let go of the trapping of feeling like it's, it's an impersonation. Right. And, and like just me taking it over are at, over time.
1: And like me taking over Tentamon over time, it becomes yours. It's not Josh's. <laughs> like Tentamon you taking anymore. over Tentamon. It's
0: exactly. now mine. <laughs> Everything comes Full back circle. to Digimon. Full so. circle. <laughs> All right. So, so before we leave the the, the directing anime. Yeah. Producing because you produced, direct, produced, directed, written, and acted in all these hit shows. Yeah. I'm just going to read a few of them, and then if I'm there are any any highlights, <laughs> highlights, yeah. lowlights, stories that you'd like okay. to share from any of these, let's knock them out right now. We because you were involved in a crucial way with Digimon, Trigun, yeah, Bleach, I, and you, you were in Bleach. You were a big character. In that, I mean, right there, Digimon, Trigun, and Bleach. Those are would, like three of the well, top anime ever, and that's just part well, of the your resume. You're leaving out
1: uh, probably even bigger than those, Naruto, which I was the first. And Naruto, of. of course, and not na- yeah, yeah. Uh, Naruto was the uh, it, Naruto was odd. Um, I I was doing a show called Zatch Bell, which is not as big as those shows. But no, I bottom. was on Zatch yeah. Bell. Briefly. Yes, I know. Yes. I, that's the one uh, you told me. Uh, you you came out of retirement very uh, shortly to do that for me as a favor to me. And then you were like, but no more. I'm out of here. That's and then it. I that did it for,
0: to do 64 episodes of Cyborg <laughs> right. Soldier 9 as the lead, too. I kept trying to leave. That's why I had to move out of the state. I couldn't I, I couldn't get out. Too much out. work. Yeah. So, Wait, you, um, you went directly from directing Zatch Bell to directing Naruto? Yes, which was a, you know. A big jump.
1: Uh, Naruto was a little too serious for my taste, you know? And I had also just developed this major motion picture for uh, Paramount at the time. I'm sorry, Sony. Oh, my God. I'm getting old. Um, called uh, It was called Ninja High School. So it was a high school of ninjas, and it was a big comedy. And now I go to Naruto, which is basically a ninja high school, but it's very serious. But not so comedy. It, mm-hmm. It wasn't my type of show. I didn't love it. You know, I did my best. But then uh, uh, another Digimon came along after. Wait a second. How many episodes of
0: Naruto did you direct? Though It was a lot of them, as I recall. I
1: directed only 14 episodes of Naruto. um, But Naruto went on for 11 more years. But I turned it down for Digimon Data Squad, which only lasted 50 episodes one year. So I turned down about 11 years
0: of work. Smart <laughs> on one of the biggest hit anime series of all time. I didn't, I didn't know. Re- it so, were you time. just on first season then?
1: I only directed the first season. I only played ah. like small parts here or there, just bit parts. But I remember watching 60 Minutes, and it was before Naruto aired. But at 60 Minutes, they were doing a thing on Comic Con. How big Comic Con was? Since 2006, maybe five, four. I don't remember. Everyone at Comic cons wearing the, all uh, the Naruto headbands, uh-huh. and I'm like, wow! It's already the biggest hit at Comic Con. hasn't even aired in America yet in English. This is so monster. I'm going to quit the show. <laughs> so I'm going to quit. <laughs> well, it really was only because the words Digimon was attached to the show offered. to. You know, uh-huh. if if they offered me Bleach, which I actually turned down as well, um, I uh, I wouldn't have taken it. I would stay on Naruto. Speaking of Bleach, I turned it down, and uh, years later, I did do. I decided to write and direct their summer filler episodes, which the fans were famous for ignoring. But um, <laughs> it was a nice little gig for me. They were just a sort of little summer episodes. They had one little storyline, not attached to the regular um, show, and uh, that was it. So I did that maybe two summers. You know, I wrote and directed all the those. I got the credit. So that yeah, was credit. nice. So, so my memories of Naruto with the 60 Minutes headbands, my memories of Bleach is Johnny on Bosch because I had never directed him before, but we starred together <laughs> separately in a series called Trigon. And I was only an actor, only an actor in uh, Trigon, but Johnny and I had never met. So uh, the first day of Bleach, I, uh, I said, Vash the Stampede? Meet Nicholas D. Wolfwood. That's our characters, and he laughed. And uh, Johnny is also a great guy to have lead your series, man. He's he's.
0: i He like probably you. worked more it's with wonderful. Johnny Young Bosch than any other actor, honestly.
1: Right, I, he's I'm great. Staring at
0: a poster of Akira, which he and I <laughs> both starred in. I yeah. was I was Young Knives to his character in in Dragon. We we, we no, that, was in yeah, Digimon. No, right. I forgot a, you were in that. Yeah, you yeah, were young yeah. Man. I played the Young Knives. Uh, in Trigon. And, but he, he's also so talented and comes from a musical background, so he knows how to use and his voice as a, a singer. And I actually knew we passed each other in the halls a million times up in
1: Valencia where he did Power Rangers. Every once in a while, Digimon was pushed up by Saban Entertainment to their Valencia studios. Yeah. and um, And also I did a few pilots for Fox Kids up there. So Johnny and I passed each other. We were in the same lunch halls a lot, you know, but we never really
0: met up there until years later on Bleach. So now we're finally going to get to the the most recent chapter of your career and this reinvention and finally getting to the point where you're doing what you set out to Hollywood to do decades ago, which was create your own movie, which is set... In a Comic Con and we probably shouldn't get into it without at least mentioning that you made the decision to go for it after recovering from having a brain tumor.
1: Yeah, brain surgery, successful brain surgery is the most important thing. <laughs> the most important thing that ever happened
0: to me. So brain tumor is not so important, but recovering from the brain, brain tumor
1: was very I It's, the, I it's really
0: the recovering that's the important part.
1: Yes. <laughs> the key to the health package is staying alive. Yeah. Um I I definitely don't recommend people getting a brain tumor, but I recommend everyone surviving a brain tumor because it changes your life in ways you just can't imagine because you don't have that perspective that wow, I have maybe minutes to live. You know, at this point I was I was that close wow. uh, to dying and uh pretty crazy to think I got through it unscathed, not unscathed, but you know, I am on medication for the rest of my life, but beats the alternative, but regardless, I've never been happier. My attitude on all of life has changed so much in terms of, I, I just don't do anything that doesn't bring me joy anymore. Really. I don't waste my time anymore with, uh, small insignificant things, or, um, I don't let things bother me as much. You know, and if they do, I just walk away from it. You know, I don't take, um, jobs I really hate, you know, anymore. And, uh, and I don't wait for things anymore. So in that, in this case, I waited my whole life in show business practically for someone to say, yes, I like this script. I'm going to give you millions of dollars to make a movie or, uh, yes, I will hire you to direct this movie. And, uh, I just couldn't wait anymore for permission from show business. I just didn't know. Cause the truth is Josh, I don't mean to bring, bring people down, but tomorrow's not promised to any of us. And if not now, when, and so I just decided far from to bringing
0: people down. I think that that would allow you to I mean, seize the day and make more yeah. of life, which is exactly what you've right. done once realizing that did. we're so, mortal and we don't know how much time we have left.
1: Yeah. So I said, um, how much money do I have? Not much. Okay. I'm not going to ask anyone for money because that's not what this is about. I'm not going to do a crowdfunding. I'm not going to do any kind of, you know, investment raise, you know, angel investors or anything. I'm just going to make it. And I went, I wrote a thing like, how can I make the cheapest movie possible and still make it look good? And because it doesn't look cheap. It really doesn't. Thank you. But because you and I are invited to these conventions all over the world, I figured, well, let's set it at an anime convention. This way I get a location, a convention center, you know, a hotel <laughs> and all of these costumed extras for free, pretty right. much. And all the actors, you know? right. So I, right. And all the actors that are in are, you know, can be invited to this convention as well, that appear at the convention, so we can. Make a movie at this convention and have this really high production value without it costing a cent. And uh, of course, it was a Herculean task to make a movie at a live convention while you're actually also attending the convention. We're also doing panels that aren't filmed, and you know, you're also guests
0: signing autographs and having to spend time at
1: at the convention, being a part of the
0: convention, and then filming around the clock, I imagine. Yeah. Round the clock, pretty much. So I
1: had to make a schedule, and it was really down to the second to say, if we're going to film 80 pages, there, we, we filmed 80 pages in six days at this convention. Wow. And everything else, all the hotel scenes, anything I could film in L.A., I did. All the hotel scenes, all my, you know, interior house scenes, I did all in L.A. And then um, anything that had to be at a, at the convention, we did there. And it was... Crazy. I had two cameras, so I had coverage. So it didn't look like, oh, one master shot, like a YouTube video, you know, one master shot followed by another master shot followed by another. You know, there's coverage, there's cutaways, there's three angles on every pretty much scene, you know, which is great. And, um, and I knew the only way I could do it is with two cameras. And as soon as we got a good take, let's move on. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't have too much Real time indie for filmmaking. second or third takes, right. We, you know, sometimes we didn't even do a whole second take, we just did a little, I just need a cutaway of this, you know, it's an important plot piece just to close up on her, saying
0: this or having this reaction, and we're moving on and, and we should mention for the audience here what it's actually about it's about a character that is somewhat like yourself you star someone, in him. Yeah. Uh, again, how do but I, with some how foibles.
1: Do I how, well, how do I fix this how do I fix this problem of I'm at a live convention and there are Pictures of us that say, you know, there's a picture of me and it says Jeff Nimoy, and if I my character was named Robert Smith, and I'm standing next to a Jeff Nimoy poster, that's that the one same not mean place, it wouldn't work. And then if someone comes up to me, you know, I also sort of shot it in a way that the fans could come up to me right in the middle of the scene, and we would just keep filming, and I would just sign the autograph and keep moving. And if they go, Mr. Nimoy, Mr. Nimoy, and I'm Robert Smith. Take is ruined. So I decided to do like a Larry, David, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Build this character mm-hmm. named Boy, And a character of Lex Lang who stars in, in mm-hmm. Brian Don and everyone else. And uh, and I. so I play a very, very uh, bad example of a human being. You, you, as
0: a you, f- you play a, f- a flawed version of yourself.
1: How a very that? flawed character. Uh, people always say, is it autobiographical? It's not. It's about... Fifteen percent true stuff that I embellished to make it into a movie, but it's right. really not biographical.
0: The rest would have gotten you into prison, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? And it deals with a lot of these things of, like you know, wokeism of people who weren't woke, and now that they know things are woke, are they willing to change, or are they going to stick to their old ways? You know, it's a lot of, about that as well in in it subliminally.
0: It's also about the trappings of celebrity or the the aspiring to be a celebrity when you're not quite really a celebrity. (laughs) Right.
1: And I just, and I discussed all those issues I mentioned to you earlier about uh, me not thinking anime is really show business. And I put that scene right in there where I speak
0: to It's very honest.
1: Yeah, it's very honest. And, you know, obviously by the end of the movie, I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, he comes to realize that, um, the fans play a much bigger part in his life than he ever realized. And it took him to come to the edge of life really
0: before he can r- realize that, you know, to appreciate the fans that made the opportunity, appreciate
1: possible. anime and fans and the fact that, you know, are you in this business for the show, for the money? Are you in this business for the acclaim or are you in this money business just because you're an artist and you like to do good work and affect people and, Here it is 20 years later and people are affected and I'm a success. I'm not a failure. I think people would be surprised
0: how many of us stay in show business because we want to do good work. That the money is necessary in order to not go do something else. And the (laughs) acclaim is nice and gratifying. But I I think you and I are alike in that way and that we we just aspire to put out good work and and keep doing better and making more things as we go along to have a body of work that represents uh, our best capabilities, which are ultimately, hopefully improving.
1: Yeah. That's another thing that changed about me. Um, I was this highly ambitious person. Obviously you've mentioned my resume. You, you can't not be super ambitious to put together that kind of body of work as not just writing, not just producing, not just directing, not just acting all of them in every project, you know? So, um, like money now it's. Like you said, it's important to live, but I don't need, like, billions. I don't need the mansion in Malibu that I thought I needed in my 20s and 30s, you know. I, I just need enough to get by because, but um, now I don't need the billion-dollar job anymore. For You know, you're saying I'm not starving. I do set my prices now because, you know, I'm in my twilight of my career, maybe, or Towards the end, or you know, the end rather than the beginning, more of a supervising role now that I was maybe earlier on, and I do set my prices high, which means I don't work that often. <laughs> but when I do, it's something I really want to do.
0: Well, famish was something that you wanted to do for a long time, and I think considering yeah. the limitations of time and budget, it came out great. And yeah, it's for Thanks. a specific audience, but that audience gets I together at comic cons so. every weekend so for anybody out there listening to this that hasn't I, seen it if you run a con or you attend one watch his film where can we watch I, famish I, I, wait i want to disagree with you for a second about that basically it's a romantic comedy
1: well that's that true it is to to a rom-com place. yeah it happens to take place at an anime convention and i don't think you need to know anything about anime to enjoy this movie you could just pick it up and people go, wow, I had no idea these conventions happened and there was commerce going on.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, a lot of people have seen these on the news or are aware of them but haven't been to them.
1: Brian Donovan plays the type of actor that is all about the commerce and Nikki Boyer plays uh, an actress who is all about, she loves anime, that's why she's in it. She doesn't sell anything. She doesn't charge for her autograph. And then here's my character trying to sort of balance his life between the two. I need money, but I do love the fans, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So I don't think you need it. But where you can watch Famish is if you want to watch it for free with limited commercial interruption, it's on Tubi and the Roku channel. If you want to pay $2.99 to not watch commercials, it's on Amazon, iTunes, Apple TV, wherever pretty much you buy, you rent movies, a PlayStation, really everywhere, Vimeo,
0: YouTube, everywhere. I got it on Apple TV, so I know it's available there there as well. Definitely check it out. And I will have links to where you can find that in the show notes for this episode, as well as links to Jeff's social media and website. And it's been a great talk and great to catch up with you, buddy. Josh, it's always great. You
1: know, I'm so glad you and I stayed in touch after you moved to, uh, FLA and, uh, you know, yeah, right. I miss working with you, but we've done more podcasts. Uh, F- FLA.
0: Yeah,
1: Florida. <laughs> that's how I'm going
0: to start referring to Florida now. It's, it's not Josh, LA, it's FLA. moved on down
1: to FLA. Yeah. Hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Lou Reed's on. Josh yeah. made his way down to FLA.
0: <laughs> and that's a great to way to go out.
1: <laughs> Thanks, right.
0: Josh. I'm so glad we kept in touch. Let's keep it going, buddy. Definitely. And I'll see you at a con soon, I hope. Thanks for listening. I've got a question for you. Have you ever thought about getting into voice acting yourself? If so, check out my free intro to voice acting class at voiceoverchampions.com and become a voiceover champion.